0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk about mountains and valleys this morning. Mountains and valleys. We're all called to live on the mountain and in the valley. Not one or the other. We're gonna we're gonna explore that a little bit. We all love the mountain, don't we? Like, you know, Jamie was talking a lot this morning about the presence of God. Experiencing his presence. He he created us to experience him. He's not, our relationship with him is not just theory, it's practice. And it's something that takes place deep within our heart and our emotions. Because God gave us emotions and spiritual senses So that we could experience him, not just know about him. And like Jamie was saying, once we experience him, no one can dispute that. No one can argue that you haven't experienced his divine presence in your life. His divine healing, his divine salvation, his divine transformation. No one can argue what you know has happened in your life. And, and your relationship with God so we're all, we're all called to that experiencing his presence and, and if you're not experiencing his presence can I encourage you keep pressing in and here's a little key for you we enter his courts with praise we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts so if you're not experiencing his presence try entering with thanksgiving try entering with adoration and praise and he finds that irresistible he finds that totally irresistible he rests on our praises So I want to have a little look at uh, when Moses went up the mountain in Exodus chapter 20. This is is the Old Testament. So this is when they couldn't just freely enter the presence of God at any time like we can. Who's glad that we can freely enter? The invitation is always there for us to just freely enter. In the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. There had to be an invitation, a specific invitation from heaven for people to enter the presence of God. Or you die, you burn. That's how it was. But praise God that curtain's been torn from top to bottom. Can we never take that for granted? That his invitation is always there for us to enter in. Can we never become too familiar with that and blasé about it? This it's so amazing. It's so amazing. So, Exodus 20. Just do a little preamble. In chapter 19, God said to Moses, Tell the people to consecrate themselves because I'm going to do amazing things. <laughs> How good. And then he said... Um, Tell them that when they hear the ram's horn blast that they can come up the mountain and meet with me, right? So the invitation was there not just to Moses but to all of the people when they heard the ram's horn. That was the, that was the signal. Come on up. I'm going to do amazing things, right? And then in, in chapter 20 verse 18 says, got it up there. But when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet, which was their signal to come on up, yes, they saw the mountain in smoke and they trembled with fear. Suddenly they realised how awesome God really was, right? And they stayed at a distance, And they said to Moses, you can go up there. (laughs) You come and tell us what he says. We're not going up there. Do not have God speak to us or we will die. Even though God had said, come on up. They said, "Uh uh-uh. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The fear of God is a good thing. A healthy dose of the awe of God is a good thing. We all need that in our lives. I heard someone say, we can become too familiar with someone that we don't know as as well as we should. Speaking of God. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So that's chapter 20 and then God unloads to Moses, right? All the the laws and the ways that they can live a life that pleases God, right? That's why we go to the mountain to receive instruction, to receive revelation For how we can live a life that honours God. That is why we go to the mountain, yes? And to experience his presence. We skip over to chapter 32, verse 1. And so this is after God's downloaded all the commandments, the principles, etc. We skip over to chapter 32. When the people who refuse to go up the mountain saw that Moses was so long coming back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come and make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, (laughs) this fellow, they're distancing themselves already. Uh, We don't know what's happened to him. So Aaron took their gold and made it into an idol. And in verse 5, Aaron built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord, the cow, the Lord. So now they're calling the cow the Lord because they've made a God in their own, a God that they're comfortable with. No lightning, no smoke. Oh, we'd rather worship that because that's not scary. We're comfortable with that. That's the Lord not that up there we don't have to have any awe or fear for that so the next day the people rose early sacrifice burnt offerings to the cow the cow and afterwards they sat down to eat and drink and then they got up to indulge in revelry right So we're called to climb mountains. I've noticed something about people that like to climb mountains, right? Mountain climbers. Ash said when he spoke that Jesus went up onto the mountain and his climbing companions followed him there. I was trying to find that um, version that you used, Ash, and I couldn't find it. But I love that term. And Jesus' climbing companions went up and he began to teach them. Are we Jesus' climbing companions? It mentions over 38 times in the New Testament that Jesus went and prayed. He went and usually it was up a mountain somewhere. And we've, we've done some hiking over the years and we've climbed some mountains, none of the big impressive ones, like some mild mountains we've done. But you don't meet too many people climbing mountains. There's a certain kind of people that like to climb mountains. They're they're people that like to be uncomfortable. They're people that don't mind sleeping on a mattress that thin. They're people that don't mind doing without a couch for a few days, right? People that don't mind getting a bit cold, a bit hot, a bit wet, a bit muddy, Like, they're gritty people climb mountains, right? They're people that like to challenge themselves climb mountains. And people that will pay a price for a higher perspective climb mountains, right? People that don't mind a little bit of exertion climb mountains, right? People that want to stay comfortable, warm, dry, not exert themselves, not get any sore muscles, don't climb mountains. (laughs) Can I just say, we are meant to be spiritually mountain climbers that don't mind being uncomfortable, push ourselves out of our limits, push ourselves out of our comfort zone, actually crave to have an adventure in God. Actually go outside of the norm, actually exert ourselves spiritually to get a higher perspective, to see things from how God sees them. That's who we are meant to be as Christians, yes? Right, so there's three things that happen when we refuse to climb mountains spiritually. When we don't pursue the presence of God, three things happen. We get bored. We get really bored with our Christianity because we never step outside our comfort zone. It's the same old, same old, same old every day. So we get bored. If you're bored in your Christianity let me tell you, it's not because you serve a boring God. He is an awesome mountain shaking, earth quaking, almighty God who transforms lives, who saves us from eternal damnation. He is an amazing, sovereign God. And if you are bored, maybe take a step of faith and To have an adventure in God, maybe just go. You know what? Today, I'm going to go out and I'm going to share my faith with someone and see what happens. And even if they reject me, at least I have stepped out and I have acted on my faith and my beliefs. And that when we do that, when we live in that place of God, what adventure have you got for me today? It's exciting. It's exciting. To actually act on what we believe. It's exciting. Another thing that happens when we refuse to climb mountains is we start looking for God's substitutes, like an image of God that we're comfortable with, that doesn't challenge us, doesn't require any awe from us, doesn't require a great deal of obedience from us or self sacrifice. We can worship that cow and still indulge in revelry. We create an image that's, that we like, that we're, we're happy to worship, but it doesn't. it's far from who God really is. That's dangerous. That's idolatry. And the third thing is we drag others into our deception of what God is. Yeah. So our walk with God is meant to be personal and interpersonal. It's meant to be us and God and all of us together. That's why God said to Moses, bring the people up with you because I want to share who I am with all of you. I want you all to experience my presence together, together. And they were like, no, Moses, you go up. And that's what it's like when we go, no, we're not going to press into God. Let the pastor do it and he can tell us what God said. You go up the mountain, it's too uncomfortable. I don't want to put in the effort. Just let the pastor do it. He can tell us what God's saying now, he can tell us what God's doing now. Why should I have to go up the mountain? Because we're all called to go up the mountain together, to experience his presence together, to read his word together, to, re- to receive fresh revelation together. We're all called to go up the mountain. We're all called to get uncomfortable, to get a higher perspective, to be mountain climbers for the kingdom of God. It's meant to be personal and interpersonal. We are meant to learn from one another and from God. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's not either or. We are not meant to exclude the public gathering for the personal experience. And we are not meant to exclude the personal experience in favour of the public gathering. We are meant to do both. So when people say, oh no, I don't need to go to church, it's just me and God. I spend time with God alone at home. It's not biblical. We've been in church for decades. I've heard... Lots of interesting theologies. And calling them theologies is generous. Because if it's a theology, it should, in essence, be grounded in God. Some of the theologies I've heard are more like abominationologies, they're not theologies at all. And, oh, I could tell you some curly ones. Things that people come up with to justify their lifestyle choices. Things like, oh, I'm just going to let my kids decide for themselves whether they're going to serve God or not. What? Where do you find that in the Bible? Just let your kids decide for themselves whether they're going to follow God or not. Raise your children in the ways of the Lord. Raise them. Teach them, train them, be an example to them. Some of the stupid things that people say. And it's like if you had any idea of the whole tenor of Scripture, you would not hold that conviction in your heart. Because it is not, I don't find it in there. I don't find it in there. Oh, I've got an online church. I connect with an online <laughs> gathering and I tithe to them and I, get, I listen to the word of God and an online church is not a church. How do you practice hospitality online? How do you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover online? How do you confess your sins to one another online? How do you encourage one another? Give someone a hug. Pray for someone. Invite someone over for dinner. Seriously. <laughs> oh, you don't have to go through a marriage ceremony to be married in the eyes of God. You know, I'm just getting to a point in my life where I'm just going to say to people, You know where you get to that point in your life where you just say it how it is? That is a load of polycockle. That is rubbish what you're believing. Have you read the Bible lately? Let me introduce you to God's instruction book to life. Let me introduce you to this. If it's not in there, it's a load of rubbish. (laughs) We're actually doing people a favour when we set them straight. That's another thing that's in the Bible. Anyway, moving on. Back to the mountain. Back to the mountain. Gathering on the mountain together. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you come together, not if. Everyone say when. Everyone say when. When When you gather together like we are today. And I know I'm preaching to the converted because you're all here. But when you hear other people come up with these ridiculous theories, please correct them lovingly with the word of God. And don't let them remain in their deception. Because it says we who are strong need to encourage the weak. When you come together, everyone, everyone say everyone, has a hymn. Or a word of instruction. This is what we bring. This is what we bring into the gathering. This is what we bring. Everyone has a a hymn, a song of praise. Did you come with a song of praise in your heart this morning? Did you bring it with you? Everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation. A revelation. What, What has God been talking to you about on the mountain this week? What is the revelation in your heart that you brought into the house of God this week in your personal time on the mountain that you can share with me to encourage me? What revelation did you bring today? A tongue, an interpretation. All of these must be done. Everyone say, must be done. It's not like, oh, this is a really nice idea about how church could be. This, You know, it's fairly strong words, isn't it? All these things must be done. When you come into the house of God, when you gather, we must bring a song of praise, a revelation, an instruction, something to encourage our brothers and sisters with. How good! We're not there yet, but how good when we get there? Hey, I know Ezra. It's exciting. Woohoo! That's what church is. That's that's what God has for us as the church. So good. I don't have a clock up there, so. Oh, I'm going to keep going really quick. So the mountain is for revelation. How many people just love the mountain? I love the mountain. I love the presence of God. I love the word of God. I love being in prayer. I love it. I could spend all day in a room. Shut out the world. Just let me spend a day in the presence of God. Anyone else love the presence of God? One thing that I've noticed is when I'm in the presence of God, when I'm in worship, when I'm in prayer, sadly, nobody does my washing for me. (laughs) Nobody weeds my garden. Nobody cooks dinner. Nobody mops the floor. Nobody does my job for me when I'm in the presence of God, right? I could stay there all day, but God doesn't steward our valley for us while we're on the mountain. God didn't look after the valley for Moses while he was in the mountain. He came down and it had gone to ru- rack and ruin. He had to fix some stuff when he came down off the mountain. So, no, God doesn't steward our valley for us while we're on the mountain. The revelation that we receive on the mountain is for the application in the valley. The revelation is for the application in the valley. So, because the Word of God says, raise your children, respect your husband, love your wife, be busy at home, tend your garden, turn up to work, if you don't work, you don't eat be a good employee, these are all the everyday things that happen in the valley. And the the reality is we live most of our lives in the valley, in the everyday stuff. The valley isn't a bad place. The valley is a good place. It's everyday life. But if we never go to the mountain, then we don't get the revelation that we can apply in the valley. So that our valley can be beautiful when we visit the mountain. Yes? So we are called, we are dual citizens. The Bible says that we are seated at the right hand of God. But we are also temporary citizens of this earth. So we are dual citizens. We live in heaven and we live on earth. We live on the mountain and we live in the valley. And we have to do both. We have to do both. Have you ever met Christians that claim to be so spiritual? They just spend all day with Jesus. But you have a look at their valley and man, it's, it's a little bit unstewarded. Unstewarded to say the least. <laughs> The revelation, there's got to be some application. We can't have all this theory of, of who God is and not have the ability to apply it in our everyday life. And some sometimes there's a disconnect in people's lives for the application of who God is. And that needs, and there needs to be that connection between what God says to us on the mountain and how we live it out in our valley, in our everyday life. It's not separate. It's together. So, okay, I'm going to run through some things really, really quickly. Because we're talking about genuine encounters with God. We're talking about living in the presence of God We're going to really run through, really quickly, (laughs) really run through. How do we discern a genuine encounter with God? I want to make this practical for a minute, right? How do we discern when we've had a genuine encounter with God? It's more than goosebumps, right? It's more than just warm fuzzies. What does the application of it look like in our everyday life? Number one, we're going to move quick through these. So are we switched on? Are we listening? Are we awake? All righty. This is important. This is really important. This is where the rubber hits the road, right? Number one, a genuine encounter with God will always result in a desire to give him all the glory. All glory to God for everything he has done in my life. Yes, yes. If we come out of a spiritual encounter with a spirit of pride, with, oh, that's because of who I am and how diligent I am and how righteous I am, that's wrong. You need to go back up the mountain and get that fixed, right? To <laughs> a little heart check because any, any experience that we have with the presence of God is only because of his goodness and his grace it's not by works that any one of us can boast about anything ever if there's any boasting any self-righteousness any oh look how good i am oh look how bad you are oh i'm glad i'm not like those the bible's pretty clear that's a pretty stinky attitude and we need to check that right so all glory to god Paul talks about an experience he had with God in 2 Corinthians. You can check it. I'm not going to go there because I don't have time. He says he went to the third heaven. Did you know that God made the heavens and the earth? There's more than one heaven. He went to number three, to paradise, he said, and he encountered God in the most amazing way and he heard things that he wasn't allowed to share on earth. He had a pretty big encounter on the mountain, yes? Yes? Third heaven, that was a big mountain. That was Kosciuszko. And then, and then he says, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 10, if you want to check it later. To keep me from becoming conceited, huh. because of these surpassing great revelations that God showed me, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, just so I still had one foot in the valley, Right? so that I didn't get too high and lofty and holier than thou. So when we we have visitations with God, when we experience the presence of God, all glory, all honour, all power back to him. If we start to become conceited, we're asking for God to humble us. Yes? If we start judging others who haven't been to the third heaven yet, Asking for a big fat thorn where it's going to hurt the most, right? (laughs) God doesn't uh, allow us to experience his presence so that we can sit on that mountain and judge everybody else. Do not judge or you will be judged. And with the measure you use... Number two, a genuine encounter will always acknowledge Jesus at the centre. Jesus at the centre. Don't have to explain that one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Always acknowledges Jesus. Number three, any authentic encounter with God will always align with Scripture. Always align with Scripture. If it doesn't agree with the tenor of scripture, then you need to second guess it. Ask God, was that from you? Or was that just my emotions getting woohoo, running away with me? Because this is our grounding always. Always a line. Number four, any authentic spiritual experience, we'll always, we will always come out of it thinking a little bit less of ourselves and a little bit more of God. And with a greater love for our fellow Christians. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of any genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the fifth one which I kind of already mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again. Any authentic encounter with God will always result in us loving our fellow believers more and having a greater measure of grace for them. I've watched God move through a room and the effect on people always is their hearts get melted Offences get washed away. People start embracing. People start laughing. People start smiling, encouraging one another, praying for one another. What God does through an encounter, how it affects us is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And all that other offence and judgment and criticism and all that just gets washed away in a genuine encounter doesn't it and you just leave it feeling so clean cleansed whole centered yeah yes so let's stand together Come and join me, Lily. He's calling us up the mountain, isn't he? If you haven't been there for a while, if your valley's getting messy, your valley's getting tough if you, if you need solutions in the valley there's only one place you're going to find them and that's putting on your hiking boots taking a step up the mountain into his presence getting alone with him When was the last time that you were alone with him for more than a minute where you could just wait on the Lord? Wait on the Lord and let him renew your strength and let him give you a strategy, a revelation. A rhema word, just a word for you, just a word for you and your everyday. I just want you to focus on him in this moment. Allow him to give you a picture. of what it looks like for you to be his climbing companion. You up the mountain to that beautiful place where there's refreshing, where there's a stream, a heavenly stream, where there's a wind of the Spirit. Fresh wind blowing. It's a place of green pastures, living waters, full of life. It's a verdant place, a peaceful place. Far away from the crowd. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that the invitation is always there for us to enter your presence with boldness because you've already consecrated us, you've already cleansed us you've already set our relationship right with you Lord and we can boldly and joyfully climb the mountain of your presence with awe but without condemnation The invitation. And forgive us, Lord. If you if you need just a moment with God right now, just say, Forgive me, Lord, for neglecting place of your presence just, just do that in your heart right now Thank you for empowering us, thank you for delivering us, thank you for the adventures that you have for us this week God, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. I just feel like if there's anyone here that, um, you know, you feel like there's a disconnect in your life for just seeing that application in your everyday life of what you know, of who you know God is. If you feel like there's a disconnect, then we'd love to pray with you or anyone that needs prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray with you to agree with you So good to pray together, yeah. Thank you, Father, for He's doing something deep in some people's hearts right now. So just allow him to do that. And if you like if you'd like prayer, come forward. Otherwise, go and enjoy one another's company. Awesome.